0: Dear Father in Heaven, here we are before Thee. Not uh, because this building is special or or, um, there's anything particular about this pulpit. Dear Father, but Thy Spirit is present when believers gather. Be they few in number, be they many in number, be they hidden away in some far corner, be they out in the open where many uh, ears can hear. Father we are here and we know thy spirit is here to to speak to convict to reassure To guide us into all truth That is the the promise we are leaning on wholly completely this afternoon hour as we open thy word We are also here to pray to ask petitions, uh, many that were shared this morning, and um, the many that we are aware of, of those that are sick and suffering, uh, be it from old age and uh, the difficulties that attend to it, or uh, calamities like cancer or other diseases. Dear Father, we pray now we lift up those, uh, the many, dear Father, we do not name them right at this moment, dear Father, but we know thou knowest each one and canst meet each need in that way that is Thy perfect will, dear Father, and that's what we pray, dear Father. We know that thy perfect will, the good, the acceptable perfect will that we heard about this morning can be accomplished, is being accomplished in the hearts of those that are submitted to thee. That is a wonderful place to be at thy feet, dear Father. We rejoice in that. We ask for thy blessing and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning we heard uh, the the pattern that we should be transformed into and um, as opposed to the worldly pattern and I thought for this afternoon's meditation we could maybe learn a little bit more about that godly pattern of for his church and it's found in 1st Corinthians chapter 6 1st Corinthians chapter 6 start with the first verse dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the Saints do ye not know that the Saints shall judge the world and if the world shall be judged by you are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters know ye not that we shall judge angels How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with brother and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. I've read up to verse 11. chapter 6 in 1st Corinthians. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So we come to another chapter in this book of 1st Corinthians here, and there's a second epistle too. Another chapter in a church's history, the church at Corinth, and um, another um, problem, I guess. And and, uh, I don't say that from a... a sarcastic or a snide uh, way, but we learned so much from this church as, as the, you read the, the previous chapters as you read uh, on the different problems they had that manifested themselves in the church and the, the apostle was moved by the Holy Spirit to, to write to them and then the Holy Spirit moved that these things would be preserved for us and I am so thankful to the Lord for that. Here in this particular instance, the problem was it looked like that two brothers were going to, to the law. We're appealing to um, uh, the civil authorities for a, a matter, a disagreement between them. Don't don't know what it was. It's not really important. Most likely, in most of these situations, it revolves around money. That there's a disagreement with money, and um, it could be the simple cases. One brother was cheating another brother and wasn't giving him something he'd agreed to, or or uh, was withholding something he owed, or it could be more. Uh, fine and more nuanced you know where there was a real disagreement and it's hard to sort out and hard to figure out what there's a strong disagreement here and it seems the natural thing the human thing would be to go to the authorities to to appeal to 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 them and you can solve it and humanly speaking wouldn't that make the most sense let's find a disinterested third party someone who's not involved in our church, doesn't know all the workings and goings on, someone who can judge, and someone who has the, the power of the civil authority to back up any judgments. They can impose fines. They can make something happen. We'll get a resolution for this issue. It can be done and said, uh, said, with, or, uh, said and done with. That would be, humanly speaking, the thing to, you would think that would make the most sense, but the apostle Paul is actually shocked. That this has happened he says dare any of you having a matter against another he's shocked he thinks this is an this is an unconscionable situation here in the church that two brothers two believers in christ have gone to a civil authority to solve a problem and he says the church you should be instead turning to the church to solve this problem to judge between two brothers that disagree why is that the case why is he shocked we may think of the first thing we may think of is oh this would um such a matter brought before civil authorities will make the church look bad be a poor witness and indeed that is a consideration verse six kind of implies that but brother goeth to law with brother and that before the unbelievers but that's not the first thing the apostle paul goes to he looks at the eternal perspective right off the bat he says don't you know that we are going to be judging the world that those that are with Christ will be reigning with Him. We've read that in Revelations as we've studied in the Book of Revelation as we've studied the past number of months, and um, Chapter twenty uh, does does say that 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 uh, believers, those that follow the Lamb, that they will be judging uh, in the Millennial Kingdom. Daniel says it in Chapter seven too, that judgment when the Ancient of Days uh, the thrones were set for judgment. So it's clear in prophecy that, that this will be the case that those that follow Christ will uh, one day be sitting in a position of of rule of authority and judgment over the nations, over the wisest, the mightiest, the, the wealthiest of this world. Just think about that for a moment. And maybe if, you, if your opinion of yourself is a little bit high, you may think, oh, that's not so difficult to... Vision, envision myself in that position, but then think about maybe someone who you don't Esteem as much as you should within the church someone who's maybe not the brightest or maybe not the most sophisticated and think that person if they suffer with Christ, they will also reign with him and Then maybe have a better position uh, perspective of yourself to think as we were reminded this morning so indeed all those that suffer with Christ all those that follow with him will one day reign with him will one day judge the world. Not only that, we'll judge angels, beings that are uh, of mightier, uh, that are stronger and and wiser and more powerful than us. There is an eternal perspective here. And with the Lord's help, we'll get into why that's the case, why God has designed it that, that way. but it's something that has an impact on the here and now, on our decisions here and now, on on that could <laughs> make it so that Paul would be shocked that this would be happening in the church, that brother was going to to, to law with brother. This eternal perspective that we need to have, that one day all the things that, we are told to value and, and, and prize above the material things, those will be the things that it will be evident. This will be the rule and the law and the, and the, um, the means of judgment for all the whole world, not whatever the criminal code of Canada is right now or the civil code or, or, or whatever um, the social uh, mores are. One day this will be the ultimate thing that everyone will answer to. And that is on the basis in which we will be sitting as judges, as reigning, as those that rule and reign with Christ. If we value what is in this book, if we live by what is in this book, if we allow the the daily decisions and the big decisions, the disagreements between brothers, between sisters, to rule, uh, to be ruled by what is in this book, and 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 the things we heard this morning in Romans 12, the the esteeming each other the love the, the the ministering to each other if we allow that to inform our decisions then we will one day be reigning and ruling with christ and that puts into perspective the matters that we deal with here and now these are indeed small matter what is a hundred dollars what is a thousand dollars what is a hundred thousand dollars in the light of an eternity of a of a of a a life forever reigning with Christ. Am I willing to give that up for the sake of some money here and now? some disagreement that I may have? Paul goes on, he says, "Why don't you suffer yourself to be defrauded? If, if, if it comes to that, if you cannot get the, if, if, if uh, the situation cannot be resolved the way uh, we think it should be by laws of fairness and rightness, can I see the eternal perspective? God's kingdom my reign with him and suffer myself to be defrauded if that be the case If it's going to come out that way So Paul says No Those that are in the church Those that operate by the rule of grace That operate by the rule of God's truth They're the ones that should adjudicate things like this between brother and brother because There is the opportunity for reconciliation. There is the opportunity for growth how many times has it been that you have had a experience, a, a disagreement, um, a conflict with, with another brother, or another sister, and you work that out through the spirit of Christ, through humbling yourselves before his, his word, before him, and things come out the other side of it stronger and better. That's God's will in this, in any kind of disagreement like this, that, the truth of Scripture, the truth of what Christ has done, would operate on that situation, operate on the hearts of the individuals in that si- that situation, and they would be transformed. They would they would be able to say, "Well, I'm I'm willing to, you know, I don't agree with you on this money issue, but here you go. If that's if that's the way it is, uh, if 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 that's going to win you, if that's going to be the perspective, now truth matters, and and that's part of the the wisdom that's that God gives his children is that truth matters and that we cannot if someone is cheating someone else in the church they need to be dealt with they need to be uh, uh, disciplined in a way that they can see the error of their ways uh, even if that means uh, separating them from the church as as Paul makes clear in the previous chapter and in this chapter too in that list of of, of those that we are not to keep company with. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or a covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, someone who persists in that and, and, and refuses the, the admonition of brothers and sisters, uh, such a person needs to be separated for their own good and for the good of the church. So the situation here in Corinth where this was happening Paul had to use strong words to help them to see the eternal perspective and also to see the wisdom that is in Christ. And this is really the wisdom that needs to be brought to bear on any sort of disagreements, any sort of divisions between brothers and sisters. This is the wisdom that, that, that Paul wanted to hold up and to, to preach nothing else but in that church in Corinth, that worldly wise church that, that, that prized eloquent speakers and, and, and those that were versed in, in Greek oratory and logic and all that, and he had to say, no, I wanted to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. I wanted to preach nothing but Jesus Christ and his cross, and that is going to be the thing that's going to show and transform and really make you um, and, and really unite you too. This is a divided church, a church that had a lot of divisions. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. And that was Paul's approach. I determined nothing to, to know nothing among you to save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is chapter two. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And then in the rest of chapter two, he goes on to, to talk about this wisdom, the things that are hidden that God has now revealed to us through his spirit. People that are partaking of that Though they may be simple people, not well-versed in even what the legal requirements are, or, or um, the, the, the wisdom of this world, those are the people that can discern hearts, that can see the true intents, the things that the law stays away from, the, the law of this world, it doesn't dive into the hearts of people and why they've done certain things, maybe a certain bit, but in the end, it's, everyone's judged by their actions. Those that partake of the wisdom that is in Jesus Christ We, we, we can't really know and, and judge motives completely. We, we don't know, but we can appeal to that. And we can speak the words that will transform and will make a difference for people. And that's the kind of wisdom that, that, that needs to be brought to bear in any of these situations of division and, and, uh, and difference. You know, the law, it's dead. Paul says that in, in Romans. Um, very clearly, the law can't do it can't transform. It can't make new. Uh, it has a. Why would we run to the law for that satisfaction when we can run to Jesus Christ and his cross for the ultimate satisfaction, for life, for, for redemption, for, for uh, something new brought out of what we deem a hopeless situation? There is a marked difference. That is really the difference between the church and the world. When Paul says here at the beginning that you're going to law before the unjust and not before the saints, I don't think he's highlighting and saying that the the Roman system of law is some sort of unjust system. He appealed to the Roman law at different times uh, when it was right to do so. But he's saying that all those that are outside of Christ are ultimately unjust. It's the same word as unrighteous here in verse 9 know ye not that the unrighteous or the unjust shall not inherit the kingdom of God these people are outside of God's kingdom they will never inherit all of the things that he has in store all the things that he has in store for us now and as a result they can bring nothing lasting and nothing transformative to any any situation any conflict that that we have between us He has to make that very clear in verse 9 here, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he makes a list here. And then the beautiful thing, and the way he concludes in that, is to say that you were in that camp. You were part of that. We were no better than any of the other people listed here. And, and, and he, he's very explicit here, describing some of the uh, homosexuals, uh, 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 idolaters, those that commit fornication, any kind of sexual immorality that's outside of marriage, those that are thieves that steal from each other, those that are covetous, that are greedy, those that are drunkards, those that uh, that are captive to alcohol and cannot get loose from it, are not availing themselves of the power and the, the The freedom that is in Christ, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is the difference between the unjust in this world, those that are not righteous because they have not identified themselves with Christ, and those that are in Christ, those that have been justified, have been washed, have been sanctified by him. I think maybe um, this time, with with the restrictions and things like that, the the government um, uh, situation, uh, that the restrictions that we're, we've been placed under, it just gives us a little bit of a, a, a more of a sense of the the potential power of the government. That in the past, it's being you know we've had religious freedom, we've had uh, peace and safety, and 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 uh, there hasn't been much intrusion into to the way we worship and the way we interact with each other but going forward in the future I'm not saying it's now but in the future as the government as authority gets stronger and gets more intrudes more into the affairs of the church I think we are going to be faced with more of a question of where does our allegiance where does our our um, reliance what is it on is it on the Lord or is it going to be on the powers the system of mankind is it going to be with the unjust those that don't know the the freedom and the truth that is in Christ or is it going to be with my brothers and sisters who I uh, identify with who I love and who I commit to and sometimes that may result in, in decisions and uh, situations decisions that that are not that in this world's eyes they don't make sense if you if i put up all the the scientific or the financial reasons, or whatever it is, alongside the truth of scripture. It may not make sense from the world's standpoint when I make a certain decision, but according to God's word, according to what I see in Christ Jesus, it makes complete sense. And I haven't explained that very well. I hope you get the sense of what I'm Trying to to to, to say uh, what I, the sense I get from this chapter. The logical thing, the human thing, would be let's appeal to the authorities, let's get this settled, let's uh, let's have a ruling, and then we can go back to we can find out who the really guilty party is. Paul says, no, that's not the case. You need to apply the wisdom that you have learned through Christ Jesus to the situation. You need to uh, judge in the light of jesus christ what is right and what is true and what is good for the souls of the individuals involved that's the right thing to do and i pray that we can discern that not make the decisions that may seem oh that seems logical but that are not in accordance with god's word the rules of his kingdom are different than this world's that's that's the promise that that's the context of the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples about ruling. In Luke In Luke 22 when at the last supper Jesus says, "Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom." as my father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This final destination, this this, this position of ultimate um, authority with Christ, of rule with him, of of being co-heirs with him, is only on the basis of entering that kingdom now. The previous passage, he says, in response to strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest? Right, the, the verses before this, he says, you know how it is in in this world. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. It's this top-down system. Um, its power, its right makes right. To, to, uh, right might makes right, but it shall not be so among you. He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. And he. Then points to himself and says this is the rule of the kingdom this is the example that you ought to follow and that is the only basis on which we will reign and rule with christ in eternity is if and as we follow the rules of his kingdom here and now the serving of each other the esteeming of each other the lifting of each other up and that's how it ought to have worked out in that situation in corinth that's how it ought to work out in any situation any conflict that we have here and now where we think We have the right, we reminded this morning that so often our perspective is skewed. We don't see the whole situation, but it's as the wisdom and the love of of, of Jesus Christ is exercised among us. As we look to his example, things become clear. May the Lord bless uh, this word that's been meditated upon in weakness and in fear and in trembling, as, as, as Paul says. May Christ be glorified in all of this. That's really our ultimate uh, object, our ultimate destination, our ultimate uh, purpose in any interaction we have is that Christ is lifted up, that he's seen by a watching world. And the way that happens is not by making decisions according to how the world does it according to their calculations, their, their, their machinations. It's according to the rule of Christ and his wisdom. May the Lord bless his word. This afternoon, we've just heard a reminder about our, our eternal perspective. What really matters in in um, everyday life, in difficult decisions, like disagreements between brethren, where they would feel the need to go to the outside uh, authorities to to make a ruling. What Paul says, those things are small matters; they're trivial. The things we have in Christ are so much more and so much more immense and and rich and here and now That's one thing I realized as I was reading uh, chapter 2 of, of first corinthians, you know that passage that's that's Quoted often about uh, kind of with implication that it's about heaven about I hath not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. It's not actually about heaven The next verse says but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit they're, they're ours here and now. We can enjoy those, those the deep things, the real riches, the things that, that really matter, and then we can see these disagreements, these, these, these uh, situations where, in the proper perspective, how small, how trivial they really are. Uh, that's the perspective we need to have. That's what's going to give God the honor and the glory. What we've been given here and now uh, will allow us to go through any situation, to be defrauded if it comes to that, to, to, to be abused even by those that we trust and those that are close to us. Um, if it comes to that, in light of the one who is the closest to us, to Jesus Christ, and the things he has given us and is giving us every day, supplying us by his spirit, the riches that are in him, the, the wisdom to answer and figure out every situation in the right way, to, to respond in the right way, that's in him. The knowledge of him, the looking to him, May he be praised uh, in difficult circumstances, in challenges going forward, in any disagreements we may have, in any divisions we may have. May we realize that the wisdom that is in him, the love, the, the, the template that's been laid out this morning, this morning's message, that needs to be followed. Uh, that is the answer. May the Lord bless this word to him be all, the honor and the glory. Amen.